Welcome to the Best of Seven, presented by The Big Lead. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas. We're coming to you live on tape delay after an episode that started out at 10, stayed at 10, hit 11 at some points. To me, one of the most memorable of the entire series, start to finish, a thrill ride. A lot happened, a lot of surprising stuff. There was a lot of Easter eggs for fans of the show. If you wanted a dive into the mind of Kendall Roy and don't we all, isn't that something we're all looking for more of in our everyday lives? This was it titled too much birthday after the late great Bernstein bears, a Mandela effect topic from the very first image last night of Kendall singing a song, a heartfelt song at soundcheck, his girlfriend watching him. I know you tweeted out the picture before the episode even aired. I know that that spoke directly to you, but it really set the tone to answering the question, what would the douchiest 40th birthday of all time look like? And let me tell you, they nailed it. Kendall had high hopes going in. All of them were dashed. His expectations ruined. Leaves once again at rock bottom, and he keeps setting a new standard for rock bottom as this season goes on. Steven, I'm just going to clear out and let you wax poetic, if you will, about what this episode did for you from start to finish. Yeah, uh, it was it was a very strong episode. Uh, another bottle episode, kind of, where they didn't advance a lot of much. They didn't really deal with... They only dealt with a little bit of the succession, but it was mostly, you know, just about um, how broken our our boy, our boy is. He had guests come. He he wanted guests to take off their jackets and leave their cell phones because he wanted the, he wanted the gift to be their presents, which you know it's always nice. I don't know. It was just wild, and the gloves were off, and everybody was should. You know, it's a party. Everybody should be happy, but everybody was absolutely miserable. They were angry at each other. Just a lot going on. To quote our boy Kendall Roy, it was all bangers all the time. Yeah, he was very specific about the playlist. And he was very specific that he didn't want it to feel like an asshole's birthday, but it felt very specifically like an asshole's birthday party. So what we're going to do as we've been doing all season is ranking the seven most powerful figures, the people or entities that really stood out as we tried to figure out who is the most likely to succeed. And like you said, there was very little in terms of power brokering. A lot of the last, the last few weeks have been spent in one room, basically having kind of like a Sorkin like conversation this was all action this was a real treat like you said kind of a bottle episode if you stayed and watched the final scenes basically they had jeremy strong talking about how this episode allowed him to do every single thing that he loves to do as kendall uh go to all those places hit all those all those notes if this doesn't win an emmy i will be shocked i mean we can make the argument that kieran culkin might deserve an emmy for this one as well spectacular featured hour for both of those people. But I think that we jump right in and and I was listening to another succession podcast that made the point that 
you know, a lot of the previous week's big revelations and feelings get pushed aside and glossed over as you jump in. Like at number seven on our list is Gojo. And as the episode started, I think it was probably like, it took me until maybe the third reference of Gojo to, for it to click, like, what are they talking about? Did I miss something? It kind of came out of nowhere, but maybe it doesn't really matter what Gojo is and what Gojo does. We're meant to understand that it's some sort of app, some sort of new internet in- entity that is spearheaded and controlled by Alexander Skarsgård, who plays a bad dude looking for a bad dude. He gets hooked up with a bad dude through Roman Roy. But Gojo is basically looking to be purchased by Waystar, even though some would argue that it should be the other way around. And it seems like Gojo and Skarsgård have ultimate leverage to dictate the terms of the deal. And you see that through his negotiation, through his general demeanor, he's going to say anything that he wants to, and he's not going to worry about people's feelings. And ultimately it ends up with him brokering a deal in a very cocaine way, in a very <laughs> meatpacking district way that's going to allow him a firewall so he doesn't have to deal with Logan Roy as he sits down and counts the days for his hopefully imminent death. Gojo, big deal, big moves. It's the future of the company. And when you tie it together with the one-two step that Roman and Logan did in offering Kendall a buyout of his shares and his options disguised as a birthday card, I think that you really see what direction Waystar is going to go. And Gojo is basically going to be the amplification method for the right-wing brand of nonsense that they're going to try to commercialize. And that is ultimately probably going to push Shiv past her breaking point, which I think we almost got really close to reaching. So a lot there. Why don't you take it on Gojo? Talk about why it was such a revelation and why Skarsgård is going to be a promising new figure to learn about. Yeah, Gojo was is just this catch-all uh, internet, whatever point oh we're on thing. Um, it's a streaming platform, but it also gets them into sports betting somehow, it was mentioned. It's going to replace the technology that Waystar has, which is garbage worth peeing on which won't even load when it's being urinated on in a toilet so i mean if you can't stream something while you're streaming there what's the point scars yard was just uh not just a miserable person you know it's like what's the point of being rich and successful if you're gonna go to this i mean all these people are just miserable at this party the only people who are having any fun presumably are the guests who even tom said no it doesn't look like they're having any fun but yeah gojo it it was definitely something that has probably been mentioned previously like in passing as just like this catch-all for whatever they need to do to get into uh to get out of just print gojo you know stars did the power play by sending his his cfo or whatever which logan hated and cut the meeting short you know, it seems like these, they're, it's a big fish and Waystar really needs them. So I don't, they're, 
you know, good, good for them, you know, some more people to, you know, put the screws to Logan Roy and show him that, you know, the guard is changing. Yeah. And I think that this deal gets done because of Roman's unique ability to connect with the sociopaths and the psychos out there uh, on a human level, because he has a lot of common ground with them. And I think that as we see Waystar getting more desperate, Logan seeing the, you know, kind of the limitations of his omnipresent power. I, I think that what we're the introduction of Skarsgård and, Go, and Gojo is like, they're making choices that they think that they need to make, but they're making some deals with some really bad people and they're being really short-sighted and not just bad for like society in general, uh, because that's kind of always what they've been doing is, is poisoning the pool and making it a worse existence for, for most of the people who use their products. I think that they're getting in bed with people who are ultimately going to have no problem turning on them. Uh, Logan was very mad that he couldn't meet with Skarsgård, the Gojo CEO. Skarsgård said he's not, tech is not his world, despite owning a streaming service, classic <laughs> tech guy move. But honestly, these two wouldn't like each other to begin with. And obviously the relationship would get back, get off to a bad start if if logan was asked to procure some documents showing that uh what his resting heart rate was so i think that ultimately this is elevating roman and you're going to see in the rankings as we go on he took a meteoric rise this week but i think that long term it might not be the smartest strategy for the two roys who are most willing to dabble and play footsie with these type of people to do that as opposed to more legacy deals with some people who operate in the parameters of basic human decency. Is that your read on it as well? Yeah, it's got, it's kind of weird how the stakes of the online proponent have been raised so much. Like from the first season, it's like, oh, we need, we need to acquire Valter, you know, which we kind of seem like that was just like an online media site. And now it's like, yeah, oh, well, we need basically to procure Hulu or Netflix. And these are, it's just, Roman wasn't really able to connect with uh, the Valter guy quite as well, just because he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, he was an a-hole, but he wasn't like evil. Mm-hmm. He was just a jerk. And just when the, Ro- the Roy's have this uncanny ability to just attract the worst people in the world, and you know, really hit it off. And Roman just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's found his people. These rich, powerful assholes. And you know, great for him. And great for Gojo. Yes, Gojo's stock is rising. Also, rising stock. Connor Roy back from the dead. My man wore a coat all night, even though he was asked explicitly not to. He's nursing a rotator cuff injury alan ruck in real life at the time that this was filmed but in the show they they wrote that he had injured himself celebrating some great polling numbers which we learned was inching closer to one percent and now in his mind he thinks that maybe bezos or soros or someone is going to come begging for him to sway the election one way or another and i think that those are those remain pipe dreams that aren't going to come to manifestation. But I thought that the most interesting thing is that Connor was not the butt of the joke 
this episode. He had agency. And most importantly, he had a supportive partner in Willa who seemed for the first time ever to be attracted to him, standing up for him. She was engaged in the party. She loved the looking at the lights. Like she was there. Like it was a total 180 of her personality. And I don't really know what that's about, but I love when Connor's having a good time because he is the least evil of all of them. Mm-hmm never really goes out of his way to screw over his siblings. So it's just great to see his stock on the rise. Uh, do you think that they're laying the groundwork for him being a viable contender in the presidential race? Or do you think that this was just a short reprieve from being on the bench of irrelevance? Well, I mean, as we've learned from real life, uh, stranger things can happen. So who knows what they want to do with Connor. Uh, but he's, he's got the support of, you know, and I mean, small sample size, but you know, if you extrapolate, he's got four or 4 million con heads just waiting to uh, do his bidding with panhandle Pete, right? At the top of the list. And maybe it's Connor actually getting a little bit of real power, um, trying to throw his hat in the ring, both politically and, get uh serious at a uh, waystar with like tv show or whatever but like maybe that with the fact that he's kind of seems like the most you know it's that sliding scale it's like well you know he's the most decent roy child which you know it's it's like being the tallest giant i i, I don't even know how to describe it but maybe you know just being nice to will and being being more human-like with her combined with him taking agency and becoming bigger and a little more powerful and showing some ambition, maybe, you know, he's, he's worn her down and, you know, she's starting to have some real affection for him. So when a a small woman is telling him to take off his jacket and he doesn't want to take off his jacket, you know, she can get the hell out of there because I mean, this is the head of the con heads and he's he is a serious person and if he doesn't want to take off his damn jacket he's gonna wear his damn jacket so yeah it it was nice to see uh connor feeling good and and for him and for us to see him like recognizing what's going on with willa instead of us just seeing willa doing this like you could see the affection is in his eyes as you know it, it, it and i didn't know about I didn't know about the real accident. I was kind of confused about that, but you know, I'm, I'm glad they were able to work around it and he didn't have to do any stunt work this week. Yeah. They're going to put him on an innings limit next year uh, and try to reduce his slider usage, which is, which is very smart work. Steve Cohen is on it. Number five, new face on our rankings and an actual name of a human being on this show is Comfrey. Now Comfrey is Kendall's, PR assistant slash do everything assistant. We got to see behind the scenes of what her day to day is the hell that is this job that she has this job because she needs one. Not that she's a true believer or a zealot. She knows that Kendall is totally out of control, totally full of it. She recognizes the absurdity of each and every single thing. But largely, I think that the show presented her as being very competent. She was able Mm -hmm. to execute the ideas that Kendall asked her to execute, no matter how unreasonable. 
she found a way to say no to him or to get him to say no in terms of becoming a crucified Billy Joel or whatever was going to happen at the end. And then we had the B storyline of Greg pursuing her romantically and her not particularly being interested with his game, which was shockingly bad. I guess we never really seen Greg actually try to engage in romantic conversation, but it's, it's, it's poor, poor to, poor to quite poor. Um, but she does change, kind of change her tune. Maybe there was some interest. He is a tall drink of water, but she finds out that Kendall has essentially forbade Greg from asking. And therefore she's like, well, maybe I'm going to stick it to him. Uh, who knows what the motivations are, but I thought it was a really good episode building out the depth of this character and nothing was more human than her sharing with Greg that she had an apartment full of eighties lunch boxes that Kendall made her procure and then decided not to use. But if she's going to sell them on her own time, then the company is going to need detailed receipts. Yeah. Um, Kendall, he, He's a very big picture guy, but he's very into the details. You would think once the, uh, I mean, how much could she have possibly spent on these lunch boxes? Like a thousand bucks. And he's got, I mean, this is like a million dollar, a couple million dollar party, I have to assume. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to need uh, receipts turned into HR for, you know, these, these seven lunch boxes that kind of look similar to ones I had when I was a child. I also can't picture the Roy children carrying lunch boxes um, to their private schools, but you know that's that's a topic for another day. Uh, Comfrey just uh, who saw this coming? You know, uh, first actually having to learn her name and learn her name is Comfrey, which is hilarious. No, for, don't know if it's first name or last name. Saying yes to Greg, uh, she, you know, as a professional, she showed no interest before. Um, to his uh, ham-fisted hellos and whatnot. But, you know, it was just sort of hearing that Kendall didn't want her to definitely pushed her into uh, being aggressive and being like, yeah, ask me out. You know, definitely uh, stay away from him. Like uh, like that episode of Seinfeld with George and the uh, the girl. Like, oh, you're, he's bad you're a bad boy. Yeah, he's a bad boy. You know, Greg's a bad boy, so stay away from him. Well, no, that's just going to push him into his gangly arms. Yeah. And, you know, fun to watch and kind of a diversion, but I do think that it will have some bearing on the ultimate plot because we saw that she was being, she told Greg that she's glad that she ran into him earlier in the, in the show because she might have to brief the press <laughs> against him. Uh, and she said uh, she could do her best to keep it targeted, uh, which was, which was really small, concession but i think that she knows the secrets about what's going on with kendall she understands kendall's strategy kendall still seems like the only play he has is to pick on someone weaker than him and that in this case it's greg he was the meanest and the cruelest to greg that was really hard to watch and it was really hard to watch greg just take that beating when when those really personal things like go find a new family to, to suckle off of or whatever the, the wording was. Uh, but I do think that that weakens Kendall further because Comfrey, if she does develop feelings 
Uh, She seems like she's kind of at her wits end already. And then you know that the next person that Kendall is going to get, and we've seen this being a recurring theme, most notably with his legal representation, the next person he get he's going to get is going to be less competent mm-hmm. uh, trying to execute worst ideas. Yeah, it's just a shame that the, uh, I mean, isn't isn't that the way the show is built, we're not going to get to see like, Greg and Comfrey, you know, go out on a couple of dates and, you know, see how things go because that's not succession. But, you know, it, it's it's fun to think of that spinoff where we do get to see Greg, you know, opening a door and awkwardly pulling out a chair. But, um, yeah, Comfrey, it's I'm I'm happy for her. Uh, I, I hope things work out with her and Greg, even though, you know, we'll probably never see her again except in being mentioned things worked out well for our number four character and that's tom tom gets the great news that there will be nothing custodial in this deal that's going to be reached with doj which i gotta say it doesn't sound like the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed so i don't know if we're talking about a premature celebration he gets the news he remains calm all-time scene in which he goes into Greg's office, asks him to scoot over a little bit, buddy, and then upends the desk like Jesus at the temple uh, in a fit of rage. Fantastic. Watching Greg play off that. Tom is so happy and he's so thrilled. At the beginning, we see we actually get a peek at these prison blogs, which was a great little nugget. We got to see that what he was looking at. Uh, Ray Brook, I think, is the one that he was considering. Uh, you see the way the facility was diagrammed. But I think that it shows that he's not working with the feds because this was genuinely good news to him. Mm-hmm. Logan squeezes his arm and says, I'll remember. So essentially, if this deal is legit and he's not going to jail, he gets all the positives without the very obvious negative of being incarcerated and he should be riding high. He should be having a great time. I think that we're both a little bit worried that some sort of snafu will come up that is going to turn that smile into an upside down frown, but he does not have a good time at the party. He takes the wrong drugs in the wrong order and he can't get happy. We've all been there. Shiv is dancing by herself. What is what do we make of Tom's pure elation and then dour sadness? It's almost like he realized, yes, he's not going to go to jail, but his current situation sucks in a lot of ways because he's in a loveless marriage. He's also he's curried the most favor he can all he can ever hope to curry, but there's a cap on that. He's never going to be the man. Thoughts on Tom? Did you celebrate with him? Did you feel his emotion? And do you think there should have been an unsportsmanlike penalty on the play? The flipping over the desk uh, did not see coming. You know, I was expecting, you know, going big hug or something, but then just there's just this animal energy uh, deep down inside Tom. Um, And he's been beaten down and, you know, it was just, so excited, and he had to hold it in again when he heard there's gonna be nothing custodial. Um, but again, you yeah, you wonder is this for certain? If what if the Roy's aren't able to place the proper president in charge? But 
for now, good for him. But then immediately at the party, he was the one to point out that, like I said, that everybody else didn't look like they were having a great time. It's Kendall's, uh, the party was totally Kendall's energy, you know, just over the top and big, but also deep down, just very dark and disturbed and unhappy. Um, and I think it showed for all the guests and then it led to a bad trip for Tom who then went and, you know, kind of turned on Greg and he, you know, got upset in the hall of compliments, you know, which he, which you never see, you never see someone upset in the hall of compliments. Um, he was acting like someone who is not very full of grace. Yeah. He, there was, yeah. That was the wrong compliment. Absolutely a bad read by that guy, even though he was just doing his job, as Greg pointed out. Uh, but, you know, he was not full of grace. So if you're not full of grace, you have a bad time in the uh, tunnel of compliments. And so, yeah, Tom's kind of stuck in his own little prison, his own free prison. And I, I think he, he's probably done a lot of reflecting uh, over the last whatever the period is where it looked like he was going to jail. So, you know, now he sees kind of how everything is and he's a little jealous of Greg being in this spot where he's excited about this new girl, you know, it's like, he kind of has his life ahead of him. Tom's is where he is, which seems like maybe it's not where he ended up really wanted to be, even though he thought it was. Yeah. Tom wants to go out, out, but his wife wants to go home and go to bed. And we all know the disappointment of wanting the night to continue, but just kind of having the window close on you. And uh, it's, it's another night of sports highlights in bed uh, for Tom. Number three is Greg. Now we have spoken pretty extensively about Greg, so we can keep it pretty succinct here. Just strategically, why was this such a good episode for Greg. Obviously, we have the Tom news. We have him creating favor with Comfrey, which we've both noticed. What do you think is going to be next for Greg, though, as it relates to the power playing? Well, as usual, who knows uh, what Tom's real uh, ceiling is here? Uh, you know, because he's not one of the kids. He's kind of played both sides. He's survived, it seems, so far. But maybe Kendall... Kendall could still turn on Greg, which he, you know, he's, he's threatened to do, you know, he's like, I'm kidding. Or am I, you know, being the total Kendall that he is good, good for Greg. You know, it seems like he's out of the woods and into the hall of compliments, but you know, we, it will remain to be seen. You know, if Tom isn't able to snap out of his little funk here, you know, where's Greg going to go? for advice on dating a classy lady in the big city. You know, these are the things we are going to have to worry about um, in addition to acquiring Gojo and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious about Greg's past romantic history. I would love like a wiki on that. It could be one of any number of things with my man. I think we were both surprised to see that maybe he's not as um, skilled in that area as we might've expected, but then again, he's like six foot seven and funny. So he's probably done just fine despite himself. But on the other hand, this was a man who three years ago was uh, a mascot at a theme park. Um, so, you know, it's not like he was working the tilt a world where, you know, 
all the ladies got to see, check him out and get to know him. He was he was playing a character. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes throwing up in it, which can be a repellent. Number mm-hmm. two, we are so excited about this one. Adult birthdays. I think that this is the best adult birthday I've ever seen on television. When this idea was hatched, I can't imagine the excitement of everybody involved in coming up with the decor, the art installations. Everything was absolutely amazing. Coming through, being birthed into the world, that heavy handedness, the fake newspapers made me laugh out loud and like howl with delight <laughs> to the point of Connor getting his taken down. He's like, let's take the Connor down, Connor. It's a joke. Just absolutely amazing. Like a treehouse drawing on that Berenstein Bears vibe again, an exclusive area inside an exclusive area. The performance, which never came to fruition, which would have been absolutely amazing seeing him fly through the air. Everything was just so Kendall. And I think you said it earlier that like over the top thinks there's some art behind it. There's a line in the office where Oscar says the analytical part of me wants to blah, 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 or study the art. But I know that deep down, there's nothing to it. Like I think trying to deduce exactly the themes and what's going on editorially inside that mind is a losing proposition. It's a mess. It's going in so many different directions. I can't even imagine the type of people who would come to this. It seems like an asshole's birthday party specifically for other assholes. Like it just doesn't even make sense. Like I can't imagine wanting to go to this outside of watching the train wreck vibe of it. And let me tell you, train wreck happened. The man left his own birthday, punted on the entire experience as is his want to do this season, tore up all his presents and the only human moment of the hour looking for the thing that the kids made him and just is down very, very bad. Tough to watch, but I'll tell you what, just a really good reason not to throw yourself a 40th birthday party. Yeah, um, this is this is our, our excuse to talk to really talk about Kendall because uh, he obviously could not make the power rankings uh, with this with this lifestyle. Um, you mentioned like the only human moment was him tearing through the presence, but I would argue it's it's the most un it's it's Kendall trying to prove he's a human, you know, and right. Just like, well, this is the most important thing to me. Like, he cares at all about whatever his kids made. Um, and he's he's a total monster. And just, he's so pathetic and sympathetic and bad all at the same time. It's just, I mean, we say it every week. It's just such a great performance. There are just so many layers. Um, and you I mean, I'd have to ask like my wife or, or, or another, or someone who has a background in art. It seems like Kendall is the perfect example of someone who has seen a lot of art, but doesn't understand what makes it art. You know, there's no, there's no heart. There's no theory. There's n- nothing behind it. It's just like, yeah, I'm singing Billy Joel. I'm in a tuxedo on a cross and I'm flying above the room. It's like, that's that's not art you know 
that's not something that a lot of a lot of thought and theory has gone into well he just doesn't believe it you know yeah. like he's, it's he's half-hearted in all of it like if he really wanted to do the performance he would have done the performance he's doing it for other people i thought that there are elements of like look he thinks that he's andy warhol you know he thinks that he's he thinks that he's the coolest person in every sect right so you saw him like oh we'll do like the tiny wu-tang thing or whatever you know like yeah he, thinks he can parachute into any type of situation in real life and be the coolest guy in the room and he also thinks he can parachute in, in into any artistic medium and be as competent as the people who have actual passion and have made it their life their life's work and it's so painfully obvious that what he's doing is transactional and will be lost in the next hit of whatever drug he's doing. I was thinking about, well, first it's like back in, I think the first, the first season when, you know, he put on the shoes, the mm -hmm. special sneakers to go to the, to go yeah. meet the, the artists. Like, yeah, just, he tries to be, a, he, he tries to like, there, there's nothing there. Be a chameleon, you know, like, but you know, adult birthday parties. It's there. There's just so much going on here, and he just. I, I. It was actually impressive that it was apparently across the street from his apartment where he could look down on it. But yeah, he's he's just a he's a bad guy, bad dude. Yeah, he is, and you you know you root for him um, because you do see how much he's hurt and how much he's been a hurt individual. And I think that you have a heart for that element of him, but it's just a constant, constant loop of him spoiling any type of goodwill or humanity that's shown his way. He is not coming. I think he's approaching the point, and this will be the last thing on this, but I think he's approaching the point where he can't come back from a lot of the stuff that he's doing. Like it's the point of the show is like, they give themselves a hard time. None of it is serious. But what we've seen recently is that things are getting really serious from the business element of getting in bed with some really bad people who are going to do some disastrous things to the siblings saying and doing things to each other that can't just be taken back with uh, some bullshitting at the next get together. Yes. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that with number one, which is Roman Roy, I think for the first time. And let me tell you the man earned it uh kieran Culkin, the performance was fantastic the dude is incredible like there's this thing about him where he's so slimy but you like him a little bit you respect him a little bit he does have enough humanity when he's paired against the gojos of the world where he's saying yeah i mean we're all rooting for my dad to die uh you know he's not you know he actually cares about his dad he actually cares about Kendall in a way I think that Shiv doesn't um, I don't think that he really knew uh, the way that the offer for the buyout would be perceived so some real serious stuff with him he's basically become the number two behind Logan they've cooked out two separate deals uh, the buyout and the gojo while sidelining Shiv he is a signature on a piece of paper, which it's pretty important uh, for people to know who owns and who is running the company, despite however you want to downplay it. And in consecutive episodes, he's been able to sweet talk basically just the fringe Redditor um, 4chans of, of the world to 
get on their level, to get inside their world and try to build a future one together. He was sidelined for the first half of this season. And it's almost like, I don't know if he's a true zealot and that he believes the things that he's doing, or he's ultimately decided that I'm going to be sidelined if we try to do it the old school way. So I'm just going to try to do it the new school way and color outside the lines and kind of use my specific skill set of not asking for any type of permission and just trying to like bank on Logan appreciating that the agency and the, the action will be rewarded because Logan ultimately sees a lot of himself, I believe in what Roman is doing. Whereas he used to see a lot of himself in Kendall. That's all in the background. Yeah. Kendall's uh, issues have just washed away any, uh, true capabilities or Logan-ness that existed. And Kendall's, he's, or yeah, not Kendall, Roman is, he sees the future um, and he's just trying to influence everything to stay with the company, stay with the family, which his, which his father likes. But he's also, you know, kind of putting his own flavor on it by getting these these bad people to come over to Waystar. And yeah, and then you get to see just how vindictive and mean he can be with both Shiv and Kendall, you know, shoving Kendall at the birthday party. Um, just the way he gets whatever he wants, it seems most of the time, and just goes and gets the bracelet and gets into the treehouse, which, you know, I. What a what a breach of trust to enter a treehouse you're not supposed to enter, but you know that's the kind of guy that Roman is. I guess as we try to as as we try to close here and extrapolate what's going to come next, I think that Roman's actions actually could be a boon for Kendall because Shiv, who's not on our list because she keeps eating piles of garbage and has been forced to eat the trash for some time now, she's totally dis illusion with everything that's going on you saw the way that she reacted when she found out that yes actually waystar is spying on rava to see how much kendall visits his children she correctly points out that that's kind of beyond the mm-hmm. pale and i think that roman is doing this in her face he's sticking it to her he's doing that intentionally because he gets off on all that weird stuff Uh, I think that he could eventually drive her to team up with Kendall. And ultimately we're going to have those two. We're going to have one guy who doesn't get it and doesn't have it together. Someone who very much has it together, who can maybe handle uh, the details and Shiv versus Roman and Logan, who are going to be two birds of a feather only looking at the bottom line not playing by any type of rule book. And I think the only thing that we're assured is someone's going to get very, very, very hurt. Yeah. I was actually kind of surprised when Roman revealed that he was in on the buyout. Um, it kind of, it, that was kind of out of nowhere. It seemed like, you know, Logan just had the birthday card, which God, what a, what a awesomely horrible shitty way to, give somebody that news in a birthday card where crossed out happy birthday. Yeah. You couldn't even, you couldn't even leave the happy birthday. You needed to explicitly say 
I do not yeah, wish you it a just, happy birthday. It seemed there that he was like the messenger boy. But then after Kendall saw it, he revealed that, you know, this is something that dad and I came up with. And I, I wasn't really sure if it was if that was true at first or if it was just something he was telling Shiv to, like, you know, try and make her crack. But, I mean, either way, it worked. And, yeah, Shiv definitely has the – she seems like she's ready to jump teams. Yeah, we could have gone forever on this episode. I think that it's one of my favorite. It was so intense Mm -hmm. for a full hour. It set up a lot of things and it had so much to look at. This set piece, we were just lamenting, I feel like it was last week, that too much of the action was happening in these stayed boring rooms. We got an explosion of color and life. And it looks like on the coming episode, they will be taking a trip to England for their mother's wedding i assume what it is so we're gonna get out of new york we're gonna play in some new spaces but this show the moment you start to feel the momentum's kind of coming out of it and you're like okay well how are they going to land it they hit you over the face with a spectacular hour like they did last night yeah i'm i'm looking forward to it uh kendall kind of returning to the scene of the crime as it were um i guess i don't know if we've ever met uh the mom's uh boyfriend future husband um i'm sure that's gonna have you know we're gonna have lots of awkward introductions and uh logan's gonna do the i'm i'm invited but i'm not coming but then i come and i mean i'm sure every single character will do that but they'll all end up there together and just one big miserable family that we love to, you know, be made to feel awkward by. We will be doing our power rankings three more times. I can't believe it's coming to a close. Our time is limited. Keep refreshing feverishly the big Check out my podcast, the Kyle Coster show press pass with Liam McCune. Best of seven. We'll have NFL picks tomorrow with myself and Liam. We appreciate you listening and honesty. Tonight.